Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. Addiction is, it's a, it's a demon in its own right. And, mm-hmm. and people wind up in a lot of situations and circumstances that, Nobody wakes up and says, I want to go do this. Yeah. You know, at that point, whatever it is that the substance of choice is, is in the driver's seat. This is Knocking Doors Down, your host, Jason Chance, with the history of uh, alcoholism, some childhood trauma, and some other issues. But hey, I've gotten on the other side of those, and uh, I'm here to inspire you and have some engaging and motivational conversations, along with my co-host, Mikey Naraki. How are you, good sir? What's up, people? And uh, we thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down. Of course, subscribe to us on Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeart Podcast app, or you can also now get us on Amazon Music underneath the podcast category, all while searching Knocking Doors Down. Subscribe, spread the word, tell a friend. That's how we grow, and we appreciate everyone that's been listening so far and all of our wonderful guests. And uh, Mikey. Jason. Miss Amanda Lieberg is no different. What an awesome lady. She is, of course, the lead singer of Ava Under Fire, a killer band that has come into the rock world, and she's a part of the Snow Babies movie soundtrack, which we spoke to the director, Bridget, last week. Get your hands up! You'll hear what Mikey's talking about <laughs> later on in the conversation. If you want to know more about the soundtrack, if you're, uh, again, on any of those music services, highly recommend checking out the Snow Baby soundtrack. Amazing group of artists on there. 6 a.m., of course, they're presenting Artists for Recovery with their song Maybe It's Time featuring Corey Taylor, Joe Elliott, Brantley Gilbert, Ivan Moody of Five Finger Death Punch, Slash, AWOL Nation, and Tommy Vexed of Bad Wolves, and, of course, a lot of those bands on this soundtrack, including Hell Yeah!, from Ashes to New, 6 a.m., uh, Ava Under Fire, of course, we're going to be speaking with Amanda here for you guys, Escape the Fate and Bad Wolves. And uh, this is all a part of working in conjunction, again, like I said, Artists for Recovery and Better Noise Music that is releasing the soundtrack and has produced the movie as well. All the artist royalty fees are going towards Artists for Recovery, so it's all for an amazing cause. That's dope. I love that. Yeah, and the movie, if you haven't watched Snow Babies yet, you can get it on demand. It does shed light, although a dark depiction but hope at the end with recovery on heroin addiction and the misconceptions that... uh, that maybe it's a homeless person or something of that nature normally as we have these things that we perceive uh, heroin addiction. But this depicts two young ladies heading off to college that are a couple doors down from mom and dad and get hooked on heroin. And uh, it is really a a hard watch, but a must watch and a beautiful watch and, and definitely sheds light on addiction. Yeah, it just goes to show, like you said, it's not necessarily the people living under a bridge. It's under your roof, two rooms down. Not you, but, you know, that's how... 
Yeah. That's how crazy the addiction can be. Yeah. But this is an awesome conversation. Amanda's an amazing woman. Her father, unfortunately, passed away from heroin addiction, but her mom did go through recovery and has been a couple years sober. So this is very near and dear to her heart and very personal. She's incredibly insightful, amazing sense of humor. You know, we want to put that out there. A lot of folks that even though our topics are heavy, we do find a lot of laughter and joy because there is a lot of hope in recovery and a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs, a lot of life to be enjoyed. And uh, this conversation is no different. Before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsor, 5150LTM. That's right. You can go online, 5150LTM.com. If you follow us on social media, at Knocking Doors Down on Instagram and Facebook, you'll see some videos where Mikey and I are wearing 5150 apparel. You can go there now online, get the same gear, and without them, this podcast would not be happening. Get yourself energized for cheap. That's right. And of course, those energy drinks also on sale. More details at the official website, 5150LTM. Mikey, time for Amanda Lyberg. Let's do it. Mikey. Jason. We welcome Amanda Lyberg of Eva Under Fire to the podcast. How are you doing today? Awesome, man. Thank you so much, you guys, for having me. How are you? We're good. It's our pleasure to be able to speak with you. Of course, we spoke with Bridget Smith, the director of uh, Snow Babies, and and now it's cool to speak with one of the artists that's on the soundtrack because, of course, one of the cool things I want to point out to people that uh, Better Noise is uh, donating any of the royalties, so to speak, that they get from it towards uh, a really great cause. So I know for you, sobriety is such a personal issue. That has to be a real honor. Yes, awesome. Yeah, that's one of the things I actually had a... um, the opportunity to speak with Jan from Global Recovery Initiatives, and that's the benefit. That's the proceeds go to benefit Global Recovery Initiatives. So, um, and they're just a joy to work with. Um, she's also in recovery. I don't know, oh, it's wow. like twenty years plus, um, which she shared with us. So this is this is a real recovery community coming together, waving this giant flag of we do recover. Let's save lives. When we use that hashtag, it's not lightly yeah this is for real yeah well and it, and it and it is i mean for people that maybe didn't hear the episode with bridget and we ran down the artists that are on this i mean you know 6 a.m alone with with nikki six and um james michael you know uh cory taylor on there you know somebody that uh you know i've definitely followed over the years and looked at as an example tommy vexed of course of of bad wolves uh slash so it's it's really cool of how these artists came together and it aligns so well with the film uh, Snow Babies, which of course people can get now on demand. You guys can uh, go stream it. Go, you know, it's uh, on the top pre-order list on Fandango, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bridget shared not too long ago, which is awesome. Um, so it's already getting quite a bit of attention, quite a bit of hype. Um, it was it was a very shocking film for me um i couldn't look away uh even even with some of the graphic imagery that you do see because i mean as you guys know addiction is it's a it's a demon in its own right and mm-hmm. and people wind up in a lot of situations and circumstances that nobody wakes up and says i want to go do this yeah. you know at that point whatever it is that the substance of choice is is in the driver's seat and you see that in these characters. Um, there was a lot of research and a lot of um, time invested in in these characters and the actors and actresses. It's just a brilliant job. 
Um, so I really hope people check out the Snow Babies movie, man. Yeah. Yeah. The trailer alone was addicting. When you showed me that, I was just like, oh shit, it's over. No, no, no. Keep it. Play another one. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like, wait, wait, what happens? Yeah. Wait. yeah. I have to know. Yeah. And, and uh, in the trailer alone, it, uh, you know, the, the two main characters, there was a, a sense of familiarity that, that I knew them. Um, you know, cause that's one of the things we've had some, some, uh, other episodes, Amanda, I don't know if you've been able to hear the podcast. We had these two gentlemen from a program, um, we're in the central Valley of California where they came on and they're talking about the, the, you know, the opioid crisis and, and other things that are going on. And they mentioned that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the people under the bridge uh, that are alone that are just dying. That's not the only addicts. It's, it's those that are a door or two down from mom and dad and this film, shed so much light on that reality that um you know hopefully it's such an eye opener to people that it's 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 not that stereotypical per, uh, you know perception that it's you know uh, not to be derogatory but the toothless guy that's out on the street that's living under the bridge that no these it's kids a few doors down from mom and dad yeah yeah like specific like from sports injury mm-hmm. right you know oh, yeah. about like any any injury any kind of like you know I was at a party and somebody gave me a pill one day. It turned into a heroin addiction. People are going, wait, how did it get from A to Z within months? Yeah. You know, and they don't realize, well, there's several things that happen, right? Um, Stuff gets cheaper as you get more, you know, hard drugs, street drugs are, you know, 10 bucks a bag versus 80 bucks a pill, right? What, how, and, and these are the realities that needed to be shed light on. So, so I agree with you 10,000%. This is not a Hollywood version of what happens. This is this is real. And and from a person from my perspective, seeing this film and and you know understanding these characters, like you said, there's a lot of familiarity. And so as I'm watching this, I'm going, oh God, here comes this next part. Oh no, I know what happens now. Mm-hmm. Oh man, is she gonna? Oh yep, I get it. Yep, yeah. this is what. It's just the natural progression of things, right? So, um, and it's it shocking, and it's um, it's it's terrible as much as it is hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of throughout the th- the film, you see all of these themes, and and I get it because I've seen it, and you guys get it because you've lived it. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned sports injuries. We had a, a gentleman, Luke Wallet, on. I was just going to say Awesome that, yeah. guy, uh, NFL prospect. And here he was, you know, it's uh, just pushing through the pain. And it went from pain pills to eventually, like you said, it, you know, it was the street drugs because it was cheaper. And he literally, it was like his, his last game in college that he couldn't get any more of the opioids. So somebody went, hey, well, I got heroin. And it's crazy how it can just lead to that in an instant, like you said. And, you know, people think, not to cut you off, Jason, but people think it's like, man, this guy had the world in the palm of his hands. He was a prospect for the NFL, playing for the Saints. Wrong team, by the way. Playing for the (laughs) Saints, and it's just, but it wasn't, he was given these pills off an injury, and he got hooked on them. Because he took them as prescribed. So that was really unfortunate. This wasn't, you know... All addiction is bad, but this one wasn't he was at a party and just wanted to party. Like, he was given these by a doctor and then just got hooked on them and then started going downhill fast. Luckily, he turned it around and is doing fantastic now, but it's crazy how that addiction happens. It's crazy how it can just totally consume your whole life. And and that's the stigma that mm-hmm. we're fighting, right, yeah. is that there's, you know, these people made terrible choices and that's why they're homeless under a bridge. 
that's not how no, this yeah, works. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's not how this works. It can be from a, a doctor's prescription mm-hmm. of pain medication. It can be from, you know, innocent, you know, stupid choice at a party one day. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. and now we're into full, full-blown heroin addict, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's, it is that fast and it is that terrible, but yeah. just as much as it is fast and terrible, that just means in me, I have this new sense of urgency. I have to figure out how to get to these people faster. I have to figure out how we can get them resources. And that's what Better Noise is doing yeah. with this movie. Yeah. Their dip, their donate proceeds go to global recovery initiatives, but global recovery initiatives. If you look at uh, global recovery initiatives.org, I think I was on the website earlier today, <laughs> um, but they give you all the things that they do with this money. And they're, they're actively using it to get into communities, to promote different mentoring programs and access resources, funding for housing and for clothing and for new new people in recovery to be supported because it's a crucial time, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It changes fast. Yeah, and, and, and it absolutely is such. It's always a crucial time, but especially now with the pandemic going on as it's a, you know, from some of the groups that I talk with of, of people and, and relapses going on that it's um, so incredibly unfortunate because, you know, we always talk, it, it, it comes up so frequently as a theme that uh, addiction is the opposite of connectivity and, and those in recovery need that connectivity and, and it's it's not being able to happen. And I can only imagine for you, um, and I, we'll, we'll get into why um, recovery is so important to you on a personal level here in a bit, but I can only imagine as a musician that you go out and you as a band and, and impacting people in a positive way through music that it's probably really frustrating for you. It, it is because I think, you know, there's there's this distance that occurs when you when you try to follow your passion, right? You did time, money, energy, you, you know, you do experience a personal disconnect from some of the other things that matter the most to you. Um, but in that same adventure, you build for yourself a platform that then allows you to replug, right? Plug back in, reconnect, use your platform to do certain things that you wouldn't have been able to do maybe just on a personal level. Now, instead of helping a couple of handful of people, maybe you get to help hundreds, thousands. Yeah. So there's a lot of give and take. And that's, that's what this investment is for me. Yeah. Well, I would love it. Uh, well, Amanda, let's, uh, let's jump back to uh, little Amanda. Tell us about you. How did, how did music come about for you? And you know, what were you like as a, as a kid? Uh, you know, you got such a great spirit to you. I could just imagine this little girl running around the house singing and everything else. Oh God, I drove my parents crazy. I'm surprised I looked <laughs> past my 12th birthday. I really am. I was in that, you know, rock music is loud, man. So I'm, yeah. I'm in my bedroom, right? Screaming and hollering at the top of my lungs to, I don't know, Breaking Ben, Stained, um, some of the other, you know, bands that I could, yeah, because I didn't have range, right? But so I was, but I was a shy kid and in my own space where I felt comfortable in my bedroom, right? I could just be mad, be angry, be angsty, right? That little angsty preteen. I was never going to let anybody know, though. I don't know if you got this from the glasses, but I was kind of dorky as a kid. <laughs> um, Welcome to the club. I was not confident enough. I was not confident enough to tell my friends like, yeah, I want to go sing like publicly. Right. Um, I had done a couple of little things, uh, but it was mostly like pop singing competitions at like seventh grade um, type stuff. Well, then my friends called me up and they said, Hey, you know, my, my 
friend, I had another friend, Amanda at that time. And she was like, Hey, my boyfriend's band needs a singer. I was like, there's no way I don't even know these people. They're going to think that I'm a poser. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and so long story short, uh, we won battle of the bands that year and it was all downhill for me from there. Oh no. Cause I, I got to be it. aggressive and in front of people. And every time I, you know, I was always, uh, loved being with that energy, yeah. right. That energy is just, it's, it's addiction in its own right. When you can be in front of a crowd and rock fans are like nobody else. Oh, yeah. They want to party. They want to be involved. And anytime you tell them hands up, they uh, are in. Yep. I, they will put their hands up. They will throw fists around. They throw people around. It gets crazy, right? Yeah. Even the way you just so. said hands up made me want to do it. Gosh, <laughs> no. you are good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait to play live again, man. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, you can, that's me in a nutshell, right? I um, oh, love it. So... So getting so getting into that energy was was really important for me as a kid. It was catharsis for yeah. sure. Um, it was my own version of therapy, you know, because I had a lot going on at home. I think most kids do, honestly, mm-hmm. which is sad, but yeah. I think it's the reality. And you're finding yourself in the middle of all of this chaos that's happening around you, you know. And so for me, it was my parents and their substance use, and then it became substance use disorder, and then it became substance abuse, and then it became full-blown addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, So that transition for me with my life was was years. Um, But when I was, you know, 12, it was just unseen. They didn't allow us to be around it. They could still hold down functional jobs, thankfully, right? I had a pretty normative childhood up until and even when I say that though, I have to look at that now at 2020 in my adult life and go, I don't know what's really normative for me though. Right. (laughs) So you start seeing things differently when you can kind of put two and two together later in life. Hindsight is always um, real eye opener, Mm -hmm. but you know, around 16, 18 years of age, um, some real bad stuff started happening. Injury was involved on, uh, you know, my dad wasn't able to work now, losing the house kind of thing. Oh, um, but then we started to do kind of some weird, bizarre things like, well, how come you don't want to like move in? Because our family was willing to take us in. Um, they didn't want us to be homeless. Right. But like they wanted so hard to maintain their autonomy and um, ended up putting the house in my name and so many other just crazy things. And I I thought right then at 18, that, oh, I'm doing a good job for my family. Yeah. And now I look back at it and I go, here they were, full-blown addicts, knowing that they were full-blown addicts, no sense of a job or any plan. I was something they were able to use. And I know that they didn't want to do that and maybe they didn't do it maliciously, but it was definitely intentionally because I had the credit they, they needed. Right. So now it's these different things are coming up in my mind. And, um, there was a lot of forgiveness work that I had to do later in life, obviously. Um, but I, my dad had always had medical issues. And so when I started to notice him nodding out, my mom would say things like they just haven't gotten his diabetes medication. Right. Mm. So they always had a reason. Yeah, Yeah. It was covering. Absolutely. Yeah, but there was always something where you go, okay, I, I mean, I guess that could make sense, but right? Yeah. And that's the other thing that I love about this movie is that 
you have already learned to trust these people. So learning to not trust them is a process in its own right. Learning to identify, wait, this doesn't add up. That's kind of dangerous. Why shouldn't I? Some doesn't feel right. Listen to those gut reactions because a person in addiction is no longer in the driver's seat. They walk like your person. They talk like your person. They look like your person. They are not your person anymore. Yeah. I, and, having you and I almost a similar, somewhat similar story. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then, you know, that's the thing we have to bring that awareness is that, yeah, the individual's not in the driver's seat anymore. Yeah. Listen to your gut, right? If you're, if this is something that is happening with loved ones, right? They tell you, ask questions, ask hard questions, right? And it's, it took me a long time to get to that, especially from your perspective too. You, you, this was your parent, mm -hmm. right? And for me, this was my parent. I, we've always learned to trust our parents. Like if there's anybody that we learn to trust, it's those guys. <laughs> it's mom or dad or, right? I mean, yeah. right? So I'm not, not going to question you. What do I know? You know? Yeah. Um, but then then it started to become this, this real bad pattern of, I, I really don't agree with what's happening here. Um, they're not reliable. They're kind of hiding things. I don't, something that they don't. Then I finally asked my mom, at this point, I was in my 20s. And I said, you know, if it's medication like that and he's nodding out like that, like, why isn't somebody calling an ambulance? You don't know what kind of thing that's going to do. If he's passing out, you should be passing out. His doctor's got to know about this. Somebody should call his doctor. Oh, no, 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 no. We're, you know, oh, how come you don't want to call a doctor? Mm. How come you don't want the ambulance to show up? Yeah. Are you afraid of what they're going to find? No, no. Why would that be? Oh, okay. Well, you were freaking out about not having your Norco a couple of weeks ago. Like, what's that about? Well, I finally, I got them to give me a script again. Oh, but this is like the third doctor. So how come the other two didn't want to give it to you? Oh, shit. People don't like hard questions. No. <laughs> no, especially when, no. It, when it sheds light on the, the that. You know, it's a, a common theme that we, we talk about. And I know through my own um you know, abuse of alcohol is that uh, addicts were amazing liars, especially to ourselves. And when someone brings to light the the being called out on those lies that we tell ourselves, it it is tough shit. And you know, it's it's a total situation of it's hit the fan. Uh, you know, can I come up with a, a a bullshit excuse? And oftentimes, like the questions you're asking, there isn't one. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's a gotcha kind of moment and, and not to be malicious in it because it doesn't sound like yours was malicious. It's out of concern. It's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the way I talk about it, right? It's like, we have to change our concept of what loving someone looks like. Mm. Sometimes we have to change the concept of what loving ourselves looks like. Mm -hmm. Healthy boundaries. Um what is healthy, right? Um, if I constantly, if I, if I were to, and I'm not a parent, so I can't say this, but I do, I have a niece. So <laughs> if I just held my niece her whole life, she'd never learn how to walk for herself right. ever. It can't, that's not, is that love? I mean, sure. It could be because I don't want her to go through anything without me. And I, I want to be able to protect her, but I, Girl has to learn how to walk. 
<laughs> for herself though like that's that's important for her growth for her life for her ability to do her own thing and so sometimes that means tough love yeah and and not a lot of people know what to do with that either yeah it was hard for me i'm still learning <laughs> uh, nobody likes it Right. Yeah. Our parents tell us all the time when you go to spank your child or discipline your child, this is going to hurt you or it's going to hurt me. We don't get that until you have to do the tough love thing for yourself. And then you go, oh, this is this is what they meant. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that a few times. I'm like, bullshit. This hurts me way more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's totally not true. Yeah. I am also hurting. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah really did not feel good yeah yeah oh shit um yeah so i mean was there a point of of attempted recovery for for your folks Uh, am i correct that that unfortunately your dad lost his life to the substance abuse you are right sir you are right yeah Uh. um i'm in a very uh interesting position because my parents for using together after several failed attempts at recovery. Um, I helped my parents get into detox facilities prior to this. Once I figured out um, and I cornered it out of my mom that it was a daily heroin habit that we were dealing with, uh-huh. um, which made a lot of sense in a lot of ways. At, at that point, I was able to add things up. Um, but after some failed attempts at recovery and that, um, my dad did eventually um, end up overdosing and lost his life. But uh, my parents were both using that day and of the same batch, my dad made it and my mom, or my, my, my dad did not make it and my mom did make it. And my mom is now celebrating two, just over two years clean. Oh, good for her. Yeah. So I have the absolute worst case scenario and the absolute best case scenario all wrapped up into the same family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's such the hard part about with addiction, you know, it's like uh, when I hear that, you know, my, my dad fortunately is here and I believe it's near 20 years now sober, but then his brother, my uncle, not here, you know, uh, due to addiction. Yeah. And it's, such a heart-wrenching thing and how it uh, affects families so deeply, you know. I really have it on both sides of, of my family, my mom and my dad's side of, of different natures. And some have gotten clean and, you know, some haven't. And, and ironically, it was uh, when I interviewed Nikki Six, um, and it was just after the Heroin Diaries came out, you know, and it was something that stuck with me. He said, uh, two things happen for addicts. You get clean or you die. And it was like, whoa, that, that yeah. hit the heart and everything um and you know so i'm i'm just excited for this project and for you to share you know your part of the story and and through music and and be a part of it because uh you know we need to save more lives we do and and that fact alone you get clean or you die is is the focal point this is why we need to help people because they only have two options once they're at that road and they identify as an addict then there are two choices and it's you know at that point I was I was telling my dad I remember two weeks before my dad passed away I was sitting down with him at the kitchen table and uh, my family is very close it was very strange for us to not talk I hadn't talked to him since Christmas there was like two and a half months where I just said you know what you're not serious about getting help you are wanting to just roll down this path. And I, I'm not going to sit there and witness you destroying your own life 
I just can't do that. So this is my distance from you. Um, we've talked about it. I, I've tried to help you. And at this point, this is this is my tough love move. I'm trying to save me at this point, right? Um, so we didn't talk for a couple of months and and it really it really beat him up pretty good. And he's very emotionally attached. And me and my dad, we go, we go way back. We were buddies. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he finally called me and he said, you know, I hear you. Everything I said to you when I was high, I didn't mean everything that I want is different than what I'm doing. And I just really want to talk to you about it. So I went over to the house and I was sitting there across from him in the kitchen table. And I told him, I said, look, dad, I'm genuinely not just trying to be a bitch. I I want you to get help because I think that if you don't, you'll wind up dying. Like, I, I want you to know that like this fentanyl shit, it's out here. And I don't care if you've gotten the same drug from the same dealer for the last 30 something years, that drug is not FDA approved. He's not going to know what's in it. You're not going to know what's in it till it's too late. So just know that like I, every time you use it to gamble, man, it's a coin flip Mm -hmm. and that that's high stakes for me. I, I can't, I can't sit by and watch this. Right. I want you to know that like, this is why I don't want you to die. And I know that you don't want to die. And I know that you want help. So like, are you going to get help or do I just have to let you do what you're going to do? Like what, which one at this point, I don't know what else to tell you. Right. We were very honest. We were very open. We had these conversations and, and I'm, I don't know if you guys believe in the man upstairs, but God in some way gave that conversation to me so that I knew I did everything. Yeah. Because I, I otherwise I might have blamed myself. And two weeks later, he was gone. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> well, thank I'm you sorry for to hear uh, that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I know that's tough, yeah. but but much like uh, much like this movie, that's the things that that people need to hear. Tough love, right? Yes, yes. It's okay to establish your own boundaries. It's okay, right? These people are. This is the other thing that I think about when I think about addiction, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. So maybe you guys can shed some light on what my concept is, because I do think that it's an illness. But when, when you're an adult and you realize that something is wrong, whether it's mental illness or it's physical illness, then you should be responsible for getting treatment. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't, if you don't get treatment, then your loved ones, they might feel some kind of way about that. Cause then you're just, you're just checking out, you're choosing to check out. Yeah. And that, you know, at some point, so there, there is a, an illness component, but there's also a choice component. No, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. And to go back a little bit, I absolutely believe in God. Yes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, but as far as getting better, you have to want to get better. Say, for example, Jason is going through a problem right now. I want him to get better, his family, everybody around. But if he doesn't want to get better, it's pointless. He, we can force him yeah. to go to rehab but we can't force him to stay. So yes, it's an illness, but yes, he is the one to determine if he wants to get better or not. It's nobody else's choice, but his. So if they don't want to get better then, so like what you did with your dad, as far as cutting him off, I, that's what needed to be done. You know what I mean? That's what people need to do. They need to cut people off. We had another guest on here whose son was going through addiction problems as well. And he, 
he didn't cut him off. He said, there's no way I can cut my son off. There's no way I can ever no. do that. Well, understandably so. It's his kid. It's his blood. It, you know, he created this human. There's no way that he could let him his son go through that. But the harsh reality is you kind of have to. Otherwise, not a lot of people want to get clean. Yeah. You have to cut them off, let them hit bottom in order to for them to say, all right, shit, this is bad. I, I, I've had enough. You know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and you, you know, have to want to get better. Yeah, you do. And, and, and to that person, I would ask them, who are you really doing this for? Yeah. Is it for you or is it for him? Because what's best for your son, what's best for your loved one who is experiencing addiction might be the stuff that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For your own guilt, for your own shame, for your own worth, right? As yeah. a parent, That's as a, a as yeah. a sister, as a right. Who are you doing it for? Absolutely, yeah. I know. Yeah. I hear you. And and that's a that's a hard that's a hard thing because I I had a lot of that too. You know, my social norm was we don't leave our family behind. You know, I come from a Latino background. <laughs> so Same. Like, yeah, okay, half, right? half, half, half. Familia, okay? Yeah. We don't leave anybody behind. <laughs> we don't, uh, for we sure. Don't, we don't, you know, we can't, right? So, I mean, we don't put our families in like nursing homes and we don't, we, you know, you got 3,000 oh, no. cousins. Mom's staying with us forever. Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's so, the, this was a very different thing for me a very different world for me to have to like challenge my own traditions and like figure out where I was as his kid. Like I'm supposed to take care of my people, but the way that I have to do that now, it looks very different than I expected it. And it's because of the situation. Mm -hmm. It's because of the, the addiction itself, the illness itself changes the game about what your options are at that point. Yeah. 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 And, and a part of that in the, the getting help too is, uh, helping the individual is, is something that Bridget really brought up too, where she was, she was talking about the shame factor, you know, and a lot of people I know for me, when I went, started down the, the dark road of heavy alcohol consumption, it was due to, you know, triggers of childhood trauma and then trauma within my marriage and, you know, a lot of other factors. Um, and, it was all shrouded in, in shame and it was a way to, to kind of get over that. So that's something we really need to bring to light is that there is no shame in saying, I need help. I need to change. And, and you put it in a way that, that I've been trying to articulate for a long time of, of not being in the driver's seat and conducting life in a way that you don't want to, but you are helpless to what is in the driver's seat. And it is that substance. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the, the way I described it to people when I was going through it, um, I'm not a, it, it's like, it's like watching your person become a zombie. It really is. They look like them, walk like them, they talk like them, think, you know, but it's just not, it's not them anymore. Something else is, is there yeah. and it, it's got full control. I mean, because, and then, and then I, I received validation on those assumptions when my mom went into a 30 day recovery program after my father had passed. Um, I mean, my mom was three sheets to the wind at his funeral and, mm-hmm. and everybody still to this day says, I just, uh, there was no tears. I had no, I had no emotion. I was stoned at my dad's, at my dad's service. 
And it was it was because I knew and several other people didn't know because other family members were concerned that there would be some, well, I don't want them to see him as a junkie, right? right? Uh, my dad was not the type of guy that would give a fuck about what anybody else thought about him anyway. <laughs> so, so I can have I can have these interviews with a clear conscience and right. know right. <laughs> that, yeah, for sure. that my dad was a call it like you see it kind of person. And that if he knew that this could help others, that he would be down, you know, so yeah. but I I was, you know, loving an addict is a very secretive world. And so I really do appreciate you guys having me on because this type of thing is cathartic for me to oh, share the story and finally bring light to what happened and what's going on and what the real experience of it is, um, you know, because when my mom finally did decide, OK, I need help. After my dad passed, she was like, I can't do this to my kids and I can't continue to do this to myself. She went into a 30 day program. And uh, at day 20, I think it was about day 20. She just couldn't take it anymore. She called my grandpa. Her dad was going to have you know him come and pick her up. And um, to this day, we laugh about this. My mom got over it, by the way. So whatever <laughs> anger they throw at you, they'll get over it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I called and canceled a ride. And then I showed up at her recovery center and I demanded an in-face meeting with her and her recovery counselor to at least get some kind of aftercare plan in place. Good for before you. Before she walked. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank that's you. awesome. You're a tough woman, I went, I Thank you. I went from child to parent so fast. Yeah. <laughs> God, that sounds so familiar. I didn't know if I had that switch in me, but I, I got there. Uh -oh. <laughs> I was like, no, the fuck you don't. <laughs> 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 I, called, <laughs> I called the kids of the ride. I showed up at a recovery center and I said, now listen here. I said, I don't, you're, what is your plan? You're going to walk back home to the house where dad overdosed and the house where you used to use. And you're not, you don't have anything set up. There's no treatment plan. There's no other therapy options. There's no, I'm, I got an IOP program I'm going to go through. What, what, is you, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get sad and you're going to use again yeah. without help. I'm not going to go babysit you. So if you walk, you can walk home from here if you really want to. But um, I will only help you if you complete this 30-day program and you show me that you've got the certificate because that means you're serious to me and I've already lost one so I need you to show me at this point that you're serious and I don't shame you and I'm not playing games and I, I know that you can do this that's why I want you to but like you're not going to leave here on my authority and if you do I get that that's your choice but then it's my choice to not I can't be around I'm not going to watch another one leave I'm not going to watch another one another situation like this happen anymore and my mom has never been so mad at me. <laughs> that, that was day 20, you said? Yeah, it was day 20. Oh, she had like 10 more candy. days. Come on. So uh -huh. did she, she stayed? She stayed. She stayed. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. She Good. stayed and she's, she's celebrating now two years clean. And um, maybe last week, she sent me a screenshot of the, uh, of the journal entry that she wrote that day. <laughs> and she said, I never thought that I would thank you for this now, but you were right. And I'm so grateful that you checked the shit out of me and I stayed. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's it's those moments, right? That you you fight for. You yes. fight for. That's how I showed my mom love. I told her, no, I'm not gonna you can't. I love you too much to let you walk out of here right now. Yeah. 
it's not going to happen on my watch. And I, I didn't have control. I still don't control anything that she does or anything that my dad did. My brother's new to recovery. I don't control anything that kid does either. Mm. But I can control what I do and I can I can lay it out for you. And that's how you can show your people love. Tell them what you can do. Tell them what you won't do yeah. and let them figure it out. Because they have to know that they hit rock bottom. They have to know that this is that serious. Absolutely. I don't believe you anymore. Yeah. When when I went to that recovery center, they make you watch a film when uh, you enter the room and you're going to see your loved one. You as the visitor have to watch a, a video that shows you what addiction does to your brain chemistry. And that was my validation. My, when I was like, my person's not in the driver's seat, I watched this video and I went, literally, brain like damage yeah. repairable brain damage but like frontal cortex no longer online cannot make decisions for themselves like 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 a person uh like like alzheimer's or mm. something yeah. happens to your brain that they they cannot make good decisions for themselves it's not in their capacity physically anymore chemically anymore until they experience so many days clean yeah yeah, and it, and it, it and that's a thing that people need to understand is that that cycle. It's going to take time. It's going to take so much time for that part to reactivate and work and natural endorphins to get going. And that's why you know they, it's so encouraged to get physical activity when you're going through recovery and maintain that and and change a diet and all these areas that that people just don't understand all the factors that it, it, it goes down to such a part of the overall chemistry of the addict's body, brain, everything. It's all in conjunction. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a brain disease. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to make that person understand that there's a problem. And once they understand that there's a problem, that they can have support to fix it but that it's important for them to accept help and accept yeah. the support. Cause I don't, I don't, I can't trust you anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust you anymore. And it's not that you can't ever be trusted. It's just, you're not good for you right now. Yeah. Let me help you. And it's you know? good that you were such a good daughter to your mother because the rehab facility that I was in was deep in San Diego. Right. So we we're about 20 miles away from Tijuana and I was about, hundreds of miles away from where I live. So I'm not walking anywhere because I'm not going to get very far. <laughs> and a ton of people would leave all the time. They'd be there for like two or three days and then they would just leave and their family would come pick them up. And I always thought like, why the hell doesn't my family pick me up? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I see these guys that have been way worse than I was not to compare who's is worse than others, but I felt like I didn't need to be there. I stayed the whole time. I stayed the 30 days or whatever, but you know, it's good to see people like you who talk them into staying as opposed to a lot of the people that I've seen come in and out, stay with, you know, six or seven days then be gone. And mind you, I tried to leave. I had a chip on my shoulder because if you got into a fight, you get kicked out. So I was looking at everybody like, what? <laughs> I mean, because I was just trying to get the hell home. And then This finally, is my easy way out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So after, you know, a week, everybody was so damn nice in there to where I'm not going to be a dick anymore. Okay. So I was nice too and finished it but moral of the story is we need more people like you talking to the people who are trying to leave so they can be aware that there is a brighter future as long as yeah. you just stick to the program 
Yeah. So kudos yeah. to you. Thank for you. That. Yeah. No, that thank re- you. That, that reminds me when you mentioned that, Mikey, uh, uh, Amanda, we had spoken with Carmen Electra and about her uh, part of her what we dug into was that enabler. And she mentioned like that, yep, going and getting them out of a rehab after a couple of days. Yeah, and then no, there they were. That. And I felt responsible for their sobriety. So thank you for putting that out there that, that folks that are, you know, maybe helping someone get into recovery or going through recovery is that that boundary is I'm here to support you, but I'm only going to do what I'm going to do. And your sobriety is your responsibility, but I'll be a support. Yeah, it's it's a very fine. And that's why, you know, this argument between, oh, is it a sickness? Because if that's the case, then that means they can't help it. That means they can't get better. That means what's the prognosis, right? And it's somebody else's responsibility to take care of them. And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a sickness. But like, they're still a grown person that has some faculties, right? Like yeah. they get that this is a problem. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in, you know, a 30 day rehab center or in a detox facility or you'd be able to go three hours without another hit, you know, it's just, there's, there is some level of choice that still exists within, you know, and I mean, I guess it's, you know, kind of like if you were at cancer and then you chose not to have any treatment option and then they just tell you it's terminal and you live out your life and certain family members have a problem with that and certain family members can, can stay with you, but it's not so difficult with, addiction you're watching this person destroy themselves mm-hmm. it's tough mm-hmm. sure. so you know the enabler part is definitely something where i think like this film is going to be a real eye-opener for people that are like oh no i can't i can't abandon right my child i can't abandon my people yeah. you don't have to abandon them but you do have to let them do it by themselves how for you um you know it's always interesting to me i i, I know that uh you're, you're married to a, a, a wonderful man. How did it for you, because I know from my childhood trauma with what I saw because of my dad's addiction that, that trust was such a hard thing to find a bond um, and total codependency for me. You seem to have such better boundaries than I do. I'm 42 and I'm just now learning. But how, how was that for you? Did, it, did you ever have any issues with your interpersonal relationships because of it? Or do you think because you set that boundary with your folks that you had that kind of strength to, to carry forward? So my, and I can't credit all to myself, right? I, um, my parents did teach me a lot about interpersonal relationships. And I feel like everybody's walk with addiction does not look the same, right? So sure. it's part of this stereotype that we're breaking down. My parents were together their whole lives. My Mm -hmm. parents were high school sweethearts. And until my dad passed, they were still married. And so they were the the exception in so many ways. Um, Mm -hmm. They were the ride or die couple, though. They were the Bonnie. uh, There's there's another song in the record that um, references Bonnie and Clyde. It's totally my parents love story, man. They were they were on, uh, you know, through thick and through thin together. You know, they. They stole together. They did drugs together. They found God together. They raised kids together. It's, it was just, it was, it was really the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was everything for both of them all the time. Yeah. But they did have a lot of trust. There was never any infidelity that went on with my parents. Um, my dad loved and coveted my mom until his dying breath. He would have walked out in front of you. I always tell his kids, I'd walk out in front of a truck for your mother. You know, it was, it was, passion at its at its height um it was unhealthy in its own way um but very much a loving relationship Mm. um 
we never witnessed any physical abuse and, and any of that stuff um, when I was a kid. So the foundation was there. I was I was raised by two functional substance abusers. Right. And the last 10 years of their marriage, I was grown already. You mm-hmm. know, I was um, finding my own way. Unfortunately, I, I looked at their situation with drugs and I, I got scared. I had a healthy fear of God in me, man. I did not want any part of that life. My brother looked at their situation and saw easy money and he could be the ringleader of the circus mm-hmm. if he was the dealer. Right. So it's just it's kind of your, your disposition um, as much as it is your reasoning ability, you know, yeah. the choices that you make. Um, uh, Latinos also tend to raise kids um, the the girl child is a glass doll and a boy boy child can figure it out he's a boy he can you know he can do things that the girl can't do machismo yeah i thought you were gonna say latino were raised on a wooden spoon because that's how we were (laughs) with my mom (laughs) (laughs) we had to hide uh, all of them also true yeah (laughs) also true but that was more that was more my my uh my grandparents style a little bit okay okay uh and my my parents just yelled at me and then i would make them feel bad because i would make them feel guilty I was I was real quick to be disciplined and and then you know they back off. <laughs> I used that girly thing to my advantage, All trust right. and believe. Oh, None goodness. of us are exceptions. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, it it really um, when I saw how destructive the passion could be, though, I knew I was I was right to desire my own autonomy as mm-hmm. a person. Uh, even as a woman, right, to um, still experience going and getting my own job, getting my own career, getting my own degree, getting my own stuff, you know. Um, And there was a lot of value in that. Um, My husband and I have a lot more independence within our marriage, um, but we also do a ton of stuff together, obviously. (laughs) He's the guitar player. (laughs) Right? Um, So... But I, I think we found this this new cool balance, right? Because right. I learned the good things from my parents' relationship. Um, but I also learned communication way better than they ever got it. Right. Um, so, but it, it does affect certain things. Um, I think the other thing that brought my husband and I together is because he's also experienced this drug addiction with his parent. Hmm. He had yeah. to babysit his father. And he lost his father to complications from abuse. Uh, two years before my dad died oh shit so we got a lot to process he and i and we've been through some things he and i um and my bandmates it's it's touched um my drummer's life it's touched uh my my other guitarist's life it's it's um there's always somebody we know somebody we love that's gone through some things um and it's it's amazing to me how many people i talk to that Oh yeah, I I've got an uncle that's an alcoholic, or oh yeah, my brother actually experienced issues with pills, or yeah, my cousin went through. It's it's everywhere. Why mm-hmm. why aren't we talking about this more? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like this this platform needs to happen more because if you know somebody, which I know you do, mm-hmm. there's a friend, there's a colleague, there's a there's a person in your life that's going through it, that's been through it, that's that's currently struggling. We need to know how to support these people. Yeah. It happens so much more frequently than we talk about. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's unfortunate that there's so so much that uh, 
I don't know that people intentionally turn a blind eye. I think it's just because of a lot of the stigmas that are out there um, and the shame behind it is that people just don't want to open up the conversation and go, this is happening. Uh, just like any other certain area that, that could be a traumatic experience or whatever, if we're not conversing about it and take away the shame uh, and a lot less of that and a lot more understanding um, then we're not going to, it's not going to evolve. It's not going to happen. And, and we have to, we have to fly the flag. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's really, and people ask me all the time, you know, what's, what would you recommend, right? Just talk to people, say something, anything, everything, spill it out. I don't care. Don't, you know, tell, take the filter off if you really have to and just tell them everything, but say something, um, if you have a problem, if you're fearful that someone else might have a problem, if you don't really know how to approach someone, it, I mean, it, it's with mental health, it's with drug abuse, it's with issues in your marriage, was, you know, how we find out about, you know, I, I think technology is, is really hindered us from being able to speak out loud when we're actually in the other room with another human. Yeah. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Oh, great. You know, how are you? Oh, I'm good. No, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah, it's funny. Say something. Say, oh, it's been tough, you know. Oh, yeah. really? How come? That's it. That's all you have to do is instead of saying, I'm great, say, it's been tough. You know, it's like adding an extra word. That's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, very true. Very true. So what is uh, for you with uh, Eva Under Fire going out, doing music, what has been in the most rewarding part of that thus far? And it's it really is pretty cool. I do love the fact that uh, that that you and your husband are in the the band together. I always think that's so cool. But how what has it meant to you as an individual, as well as with your marriage and just the the camaraderie within the band? You know, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. <laughs> We've love been it. through so many things. Uh, there is, uh, you know, you, you have to be able to talk with people and have a good interpersonal relationship track record in order to do this. Mm -hmm. um, you're taking your marriage and you're making it five people, mm -hmm. not two, mm -hmm. <laughs> all five, all five. Yeah. And it's not fun. Most people are like, I don't even know how to keep a date on Tinder, let alone <laughs> like figure out how to navigate like a real life situation with like another human. I mm -hmm. mean, usually... Any one person is going to have their baggage. It's never going to be perfect. Everybody's going to hurt somebody's feelings at one point, right? You're not going to be expected to operate at 3,000% each and every day because we're never, ever, ever going to be robots. Um, so it's, it is that communication, though, and it, it is that simple. When you, when you talk about things and you understand, maybe I could try and uh, help. Maybe I could tell them what hurt me. Maybe I could... Uh, come up with a different idea right Pro then all of these things become available to you problem solving um you know in existential psychology we call it sit in the suck because <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it right. everything sucks and it's going to suck and sometimes you don't have to say anything it's just sitting there with your people and knowing that like hey you know pandemic 101 nothing we can do about it yeah. you know mm -hmm. um we can we can talk silver linings all day about what we're fortunate for and uh, you know we don't know about the future but we know it's going to get better 
all of those are logic and reasoning skills, but emotionally, it just sucks. <laughs> I like that sit in the suck. Yeah. Just sit in the suck. Yeah. Oh, and it, and, yeah. it, and it so does because, uh, you know, Mikey and I both uh, get anxiety for, for different reasons. Oh, and like him, it's a total of a bitch. Total germaphobe. And, and so it's just, you know, we see it every day with, with just within this thing that, you know, that I don't think people would understand the camaraderie, camaraderie we've built just through this time and our friendship and working on this project together now for six almost six months mm -hmm. um but yeah we sit in this suck a lot some days and i'm a single dad so it's you know those things too of two kids and what they're feeling it's like oh shit this is all really overwhelming uh and i you know i'm glad you mentioned that because i've never thought of that just sometimes things just suck well you do and like the we're in a pandemic right now so everybody's quarantined it sucks but we all have to do it so get over it if the you know president you want won or didn't win it is what it is you got to deal with it gas prices skyrocket you got to drive your car so it sucks but fucking deal with it you know what i mean sit in the suck we yeah we, we kind of we kind of do this bad thing where we catastrophize everything and we always think that because we don't know what's going to happen that means that the worst thing's going to happen mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily right i mean we think about things that are real triggering like the presidency mm -hmm. well let's let's back up for three seconds mm -hmm. there's so many checks and balances systems out here we should have a voice we should have opinions sure yeah. But do it in a way where you can talk to people and still be kind. Sure. You know, do it, do it on a platform that's appropriate and just understand that it's triggering for people. So just be nice. You just know? be nice. Yeah. You can have your opinions. You can, you know, but like somebody else is going to have a different one yeah. everywhere you look. Everywhere you go. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not going to mean that the world explodes necessarily. We've had good presidents. We've had bad presidents. We've had war times. Like we've figured some things out mm -hmm. as a country so far, as a people so far. We'll figure this one out too. Yeah, it's just gonna take a minute. You know, yeah. let's take a deep breath. Let's like hang out with our people and like talk human to human and like pay less attention to socials and the news. Oh, wow, good God, yes. I don't even watch you the know, news anymore. I'm fucking over it. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done with the news. You know what they do? Oh, they do the same thing every time. It's just a different way. Yep. The world is ending. Things are terrible. Yeah, thanks for telling me. Why is that different than 24 hours ago? Yeah. yeah. Killer Hornets is it. when I stopped. I'm like, nope, I'm over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck I, this shit. I'm out. Told, Killer Hornets. Yeah, I told my bandmates, I was like, do you really think that if the world was ending that I would need CNN to tell me that? Yeah. I'd, I'd probably walk out of my house and like, no. Right. There'd be tanks rolling down the street. There'd be zombies somewhere. <laughs> I know how this is going to go. I'd figure it out. You know, like I just I feel as though sometimes we don't need people to tell us certain things. We don't need to feed ourselves the same negativity over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. We all we all understand that this is a difficult time. So let's just sit and be with each other in the difficult time. And, mm -hmm. and it's OK that we don't have the answers It's because it's, we, we're going to figure things out. Yeah. It will always be the same way. And if we don't, then I'm pretty sure you you might not be conscious enough to handle it, right? Just like yeah. if you, I don't figure out my situation, right? That that Nikki Six said it best, right? If you don't figure it out, then you're probably just, you're probably because you're dead. Yeah. 
And in that, and you know, you're either going to figure it out or you're going to, you're either going to get help. You're going to get treatment. You're going to get clean or you're going to die. So it's, it's one of those things. We will, we will get through this the same way as, as conscious recovered people will probably be changed afterwards. Right. I mean, there was a trauma after nine 11, right. New standards, new process of things, game changer. Yep. But we're still here. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Mandy, you're amazingly pragmatic. I just have to say. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Thank you. I love it. There's a lot of ambiguity in rock and roll. You got to roll with the punches and figure <laughs> oh. out your anxiety. And like, Especially when the whole world shuts down and they go, you can't tour anymore. Oh, good like, God. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got my panic mode stuff. You know, I've got my own things going on. I'm, sure. I'm sitting here trying sure. to figure things out just as much as everybody else. But. But I think, you know, being kind and, and being brave can go a long way, yeah. much longer than everybody gives it credit for. Yeah, Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. And, and definitely, you know, we, we've had the fortunate, uh, you know, we've spoken with, uh, you know, Scott Stapp of Creed and about his stuff. And it was when this G's first started. And then, um, you know, I have a personal relationship with Morgan Rose's Seven Dust and his perspective on it and his. Oh, don't tell my drummer that. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, my God, you know, Morgan. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, great episode. Check it out in the archives. Yeah. Um, will. But, uh, yeah, so it's just really interesting of what we're, we're all differently faced with within this. And then, of course, in the message of sobriety and, and that Snow Babies really is, even though it's a dark depiction, an accurate depiction of uh, addiction, the great thing that it has and that we have to remind people, and and I love it. It's my favorite part of the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, where Michael Jordan talks about, you know, everything. It started with that spark. It started with hope, and we have to keep that spark through these times lit brightly. The hope is there. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Lit brightly. Light up hope brightly. Yeah. Let that be the thing. Because there's always two ways of looking at it, right? I mean, there's there's always something that you can choose to focus on differently that will help you, that will be somehow healing or peaceful for you. And we should find those things. We should make that our own personal effort to like breathe and self-care and like do those things. Yeah. It's so important, especially in these kinds of times, because nobody knows what we're doing. <laughs> and that's, I think, why we have to be kind to everybody else and to ourselves, because nobody knows what's happening. Yeah. So we'll figure it out, and we'll probably we'll do it together, just like we have every other thing that this country's ever faced. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, Mikey, before we get to some rapid questions, uh, any other inquiries for Miss Amanda? Yeah, I want you to do the hands up thing again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, rock and roll. Yeah. You ready? You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is going to be the punchline. When we, when we first, when touring comes back, I swear to you, this will be the first thing I say to anybody. And then you just come out on stage with lights coming up, and it's going to be just like you've seen in every Moose Underdog. I'm so excited movie. right now. And everybody is going to be in their seats and doing the whole thing, right? They're yeah, gonna be yeah. Like ready for the rock show to start. The rock show starts, and I don't say a damn word except, hands <laughs> up. And then the whole thing's going to kick in and everybody's going to go crazy. That's right. I just got the chills jumping around. Hell yeah. That's badass. 
uh, such an imagery. Yeah. Such imagery. <laughs> Painted the perfect picture too. I saw oh, it. I love. Yeah, I did too. The lights are a little bit darker than you kick in, and then the you know it comes up and the big drums and the you know it's like oh I love it. I, people ask me all the time if I miss radio after doing it twenty years, and it's like I miss my coworkers and I miss bringing bands on stage. That was like always the coolest shit where people were just, you know, and I could do it. Are you ready for seven dust? And then it's like, ah, you know, it's like, I got to be a rock star for five seconds. It was great. Absolutely. Well, we'll get back there. Don't yeah. you worry. I'll pull you up on the stage. Hopefully you can introduce us next. There you go. That, hey, that's a deal. Don't, don't, you know, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm gonna I hold, like it. I'm going to yeah. hold you to that. Can I, I think I added you on Facebook. When the world gets right so. touring comes back, we're all going to need some some kind of moment, man. Yeah. <laughs> can I, can I come too, guys? Is you, that cool? You can yeah. come too. Now. Okay, yeah. sweet. Dude, <laughs> Hell yeah. Do uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, again, folks uh, listening, uh, you know, check out the soundtrack for Snow Babies. It's available now. I mean, in addition to Eva Under Fire, the song is just awesome on here. But um, 6 a.m., several different songs. Um, Deuce, Hell Yeah, um, From Ashes to New, uh, Bang Bang Romeo, all on there. Um, it's just an awesome soundtrack and, of course, part of the Artist for Recovery. And um, I just love it. I was listening to it front to back the other day, and it's, it's so poignant and does so much f- to enhance the movie. Um, so, folks, make sure that you can, you know, on demand, look for Snow Babies. Um, it is definitely something that you should probably watch as a parent and 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 be aware of um and then if your children are of a good age that's something to show them too so absolutely it's definitely it's it's graphic and shocking but needed and also very beautiful it does have a lot of hope themes in the film and um our brand new song heroin is actually in the film also and on the soundtrack so you guys can check out heroin from eva under fire too and it's it's a it's a moment it's a moment <laughs> i bet absolutely I can only imagine you most welcome all right some rapid fire questions go for it mikey what are your pet peeves if you have any zero communication assuming that i know you're upset oh, oh good one do this all the time no dude nothing's wrong and then they just sit there silently in the van and i'm like what we're trapped in a van together can you just say whatever you're thinking can yeah. you just say it I I'm Gosh, so with you of that. Right. I, I actually brought that up to someone the other day. Like silence for me is just like the dagger in the heart. It just oh, I can totally understand. I think it's because we're rock people, <laughs> right? We're rock people. We like things loud. Just say it already. Come out. I don't care if it's abrasive. Get me that raw, real, whatever you're thinking. But like, don't passive aggressively just sit there and stare. Just fucking <laughs> say it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, of course your passion for music, but, uh, what are some of your other hobbies that you're into that people might be surprised? Uh, I did swimming and diving when I was in school and I can currently still hold the six dive record at my high school. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. One, one meter springboard. It was pretty, uh, pretty epic. And also I think that's probably one of my biggest accomplishments because I'm also very clumsy outside of sports. <laughs> <laughs> so for me to have a diving record was kind of like a personal, like, yeah, see, I'm not that clumsy. I can do this. Yeah. I accomplished some, <laughs> some shit. <laughs> right. I can look pretty and still be a goofball. <laughs> if you could travel anywhere in time, but you had to stay there, where would it be and why? So you could go forwards or back, but you had to stay. But you had to stay. 
I have to stay there. Um, um, fo- forward. Okay, Ooh, sure. That which is scary. That's kind of a gamble. Um, I, I, yeah, I go backwards. Uh, forward, <laughs> forward three years. Huh. And just let me have it. I don't even know where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing, but uh, I just released some really awesome music, so it's probably going to be good. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that's where the three years came from. I was going to uh, say why three, but the, okay. I yeah, because then like touring comes back. The last pandemic only lasted three years. Like three. Three's yeah. good. Three's good. Oh, uh, shoot. <laughs> um, if you could have dinner with just one person, um, living or not, who would it be and why? And this can be personal it could be famous we've gotten all kinds of different we got lamar odom said jesus and we we're like damn i would have never have thought of that one he made me feel like a dick wow. for saying robert de niro <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that that is dinner with god would be like the the that's kind of the how do you get better than that sure there, like there is awesome. no better it's one of those answers where it's like well yeah when you say that now all the other answers just look like an asshole but right <laughs> right. <laughs> right okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with god uh because i have lots of questions if i yeah. had to be more pragmatic as you called me before sure. um i think jennifer lawrence is hilarious and I would like she to is funny brain. she's hella funny yeah. she'd yeah. be good that would be fun who would you pick who would I pick? Yeah. Mine's always changing. I mean, I've gone. Who is from, it this week? I've gone from like my grandma to uh, to sitting down with Steven Spielberg or George Lucas because you know two individuals that had the biggest impact upon me. Uh, I don't know. Hendrix would be cool to sit down with. You know, it's like it's ever evolving. I don't know. Just d- depends There's on the There's so many the options, right? Like Bang Bang Romeo, who's also on the soundtrack, yep. was able to open for Pink. If I could sit with Pink, oh my god! Like. I- <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I'd probably just sit there and stare and let her. Pink is one of me. the sweetest people that I've ever met in my entire life. We did a motorcycle ride. Her? I did. Yeah, we did a motorcycle ride with Carrie Hart and Pink was there. And I remember just sitting in Vegas. We were behind this like caution tape or whatever. She's like where Jason was and we're just kind of sitting bullshitting and everyone's looking and I'm like, damn, I'm in Vegas with Pink right now. This is <laughs> nuts. And she was sweet as could be. Yeah. Like she's on top of the world with fame, but she's the nicest person you'll ever meet. And she's super down to earth. Every little girl that came up to her, she went out of her way to make the time to take her picture with, say hi to, just sweet as can be. Yeah. Exactly, man. She just seems like the type of person that'd be super chill and yeah. like you could really yeah. real talk with, with that one, you know, and for she's sure. always been known for like the no filter thing. Yeah. But like in a very real and very honest and very kind way too. Cause I mean, I've seen videos from her concert. She's always like, handing the microphone oh, to yeah. the fan oh, and yeah. like letting them take the stage and so, you know it's crazy yeah for which sure which is fantastic and and i just i i would i love to emulate that in my in my live performance in my artistry as like mm-hmm. an entertainer yeah because right? i think that that is you literally give it to your fans in that moment which is amazing yeah, for sure absolutely for sure um let's see if there was a movie we- made on your li- oh go ahead Oh, I was going to say, we had a Vegas moment with Ivan Moody and uh, the Turcos, which was awesome. But oh, he, nice. was, he was like basically telling us, hey, this is uh, this is rock and roll, but this is a business. And so, uh, you know, yeah. you're in good hands. Make it work for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was yep. like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My bandmate was like, you're the biggest rock star I've ever met. He's <laughs> <laughs> telling us about, you know, the business end of things. And my 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 brilliant guitar player was like. Yeah, no, for me, man, it's not about the money. <laughs> Ivan's like, it will be. <laughs> yeah, it, it's okay so, to let it. It, it was really. The, the, uh, as I've told people there, you are selling out is a good thing, especially when it's every seat in the arena. 
or all of your oh, merch. Oh, dude. There is, nothing, exactly. there is nothing wrong with making a good living off of your passion. Matter of fact, it is the American freaking dream. So go for it. Right. And I think it's probably 500 Death Punch's song. It's got, um, uh, that's one of the lines of the song, right? I'm not selling out. I'm buying in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was my biggest moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Okay. So I'm going to kind of edit this question into my own because I think this is good. If they were to make a movie about you, who would you pick to play you? You could go because based off personality, looks, totally your call. But if you were casting a movie, who would play you? Wow. Um, shoot. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of her her first name. Um, um, Melissa? No, it's not Melissa, I don't think. Rodriguez, the girl that plays... Uh, the love interest of Dom and all Michelle, the five finger. Or, Michelle Rodriguez. The, yes, Michelle Rodriguez. Was she in, in the, the uh, Fast and Furious movies? Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. All, all right. Yeah, yeah I know yes, what you're talking about. Yes. I could see it. She's tough. She's also in like Avatar and a couple of like the zombie apocalypse movies. She is just yeah. such a badass. She yeah. is tough. She probably beat the shit out of both of us. That's cool. Um, what, uh, um, who would you say is your biggest inspiration or mentor in life? In my life? Um, yeah, it could be maybe many. I know Bridget said that it was an amalgam of women. Yeah, there's so many. Um, huge influence in my, um, just just someone who's iconic in my personal life that I just honor with the utmost respect is probably honestly my mom's dad, my grandpa. <laughs> uh, grandpa just turned 91 and I had his... Uh, birthday party which was also a pool party at my house and he could like run circles around any of us and he's just he's a wise very kind type of soul and just the the bee's knees in my opinion so and also kind of like my second father figure hmm. um so but you know my dad did an excellent job but grandpa helped out in some spots too sure so. that's awesome um yeah and, and i mean dude's 91 with that kind of spunk like what he's still hitting on the waitresses <laughs> isn't that crazy right. my grandma she's older too and she's always but she doesn't she acts old but she's not like she went to mexico last year she go rents out houses in monterey and she's more active and goes to her friend's house more than i go to my oh honey we're gonna go play some cards and blah 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 <laughs> and i'm like but she also talks like, well, I don't know. I don't want to make plans for next Christmas because I'll probably be dead by then. And I'm just like, Grandma, you're in better shape than all of Why are grandparents like that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're in better shape than all of us. But yeah, I feel that for sure. <laughs> they, they do. They're funny when they just lay it out, though, like that. Yeah. Like, nah, yeah. I'll be out of here in a minute anyway. I don't really care what this world, let the world burn. Yeah, I'll be out of here in a minute anyway. I'm like, don't say I don't that. have much don't longer anyway, sweetheart. With all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey, when are you going to get married? You know, I only have a few months. And I'm like, Grandma, what are you do? You're going to live longer than us. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, I tell my geez. grandpa, 135. You're not getting out of here till you're 135. 135. Yeah. Well, we'll finish up with one last one here for, uh, for you. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. Ah. I always say that too. That's mine as well. Teleport. I hate flying. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say flying, but I'm like, no, I just want to be there instantly. Just get like, there. I just wanna, yeah. Uh, Can I take other people with my teleportation too? Like a like a witchy. It's, like it's your like power, this? absolutely. Yeah, yeah like it's my yeah. I want to take everybody. I want to yeah. wind up in like Bermuda just because we showed up for the day. You know. All right, right. Oh, that would be so cool. Let's go to dinner in New York. 
bam, right there here in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's important during pandemic times to be able to, you know, travel inconspicuously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a germaphobe, so teleporting avoids airports. So perfect. perfect. Yeah. yeah, you could just go to the mountains. I'm I don't just, really have to see anybody. I'm just there. Yeah. I'm just there. Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, Amanda, is there anything else uh, you'd like to add or let people people know, especially in the area of, of recovery? And this project, I mean, as as long as we're talking, you know, see, uh, my my new kind of mantra is that secrets serve a death sentence. Hmm. So I don't like when people want to keep things under wraps or kind of lie to themselves, lie to each other. Right? We we really just have to. I know it's hard, but like, look this in the face for what it is, so that you can start living newer, living better lives. Like this is this is about saving someone's life. That's why this whole hashtag thing, right? Let's save lives. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. It's that it's that important. It's that dire. Well, Amanda, we appreciate your time so much. Um, you know, continued success with, with the band. Hopefully this shit does open up soon and you folks can get out and rock the stage for people. Uh, the soundtrack for Snow Babies is absolutely awesome. And uh, we really appreciate your time, your openness, and, and helping spread that word of hope. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me. And um, we'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah. I was serious. When, when we get to play shows again. Let's do this. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Like I said, I followed you on Facebook, so I'm going to message you once it does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank, you. Uh, Amanda, Thank you guys again for having me. Real quick, Bridget, Bridget said that we would love you, and she was absolutely right. We do love you. Thank you for taking yeah. the time to come and talk to us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. You guys rock, man. Thanks so much. You we'll see it. you guys. We'll All be in touch. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. What an amazing lady. She's dope. Amanda, I like her. Amanda Lyberg of Ava Under Fire. And, of course, they have their song, Heroin, that is available on the Snow Babies movie soundtrack. Again, it's all a part of Artists for Recovery, and all the artists on this soundtrack are donating their royalty fees to the Artists for Recovery. And uh, just amazing work that they're doing, really shedding hope in addiction. And uh, the Snow Babies movie out and available now as well on demand. Um, a tough watch, but a must watch and a very well done film. So kudos to uh, to one of our past guests, Bridget Smith, the director of that film. Uh, she did an amazing job. The cast, the crew, it uh, it is it is a must watch movie. Absolutely. Go check it out if you haven't yet, people. And uh, we thank you guys for listening. Again, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, uh, Knocking Doors Down on Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, Spotify, the iHeart app. We're now on Amazon Music under podcast. All you got to do is search Knocking Doors Down. There we are. Hit the subscribe. Share with a friend. Spread the word. Go back in the archives and enjoy some past episodes. We've had some really great guests. They've got really insightful, you know, like we like to remind you. Yes, uh, sometimes we do get to some of those tear-jerking moments, but a lot of laughter, a lot of positivity in inspiration, hope, recovery, mm -hmm. whatever it is you may be going through or someone that you know as well. And, uh, Mikey, speaking of hope, we can't forget Carlos Vieira's book, The Knocking Doors Down Autobiography, that really spawned on this podcast. 
People can go over to kddmediacompany.com, find out more about Carlos's book. You can get a hardcover, a paperback, or the ebook, which there's a link there to go to Amazon to get it that way. And all those proceeds, of course, benefit his foundation, the Carlos Vieira Foundation, which has some great programs. The Race Be- to Be Drug Free program, keeping kids off the streets, away from drugs, away from gangs, involved in activities. Also, the Race for Autism program and the Race to End the Stigma, helping mental health. And there's a lot of scholarships and stuff available. So maybe if you or someone you know is in need, go again to either the Carlos Vieira Foundation, their website, carlosvierafoundation.org, or go to our site, kddmediacompany.com, and get the details. Anything else you'd like to add, Mr. Naraki? Yeah, pick up the book. It's a good read. Trust me, you won't regret it. But other than that, think you covered it, Jason. All right. On that note, keep knocking doors down. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments suggestions or correction of errors privacy is of the utmost importance to us for those wishing anonymity people places and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests this website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website in no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content, establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.